Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition, a special edition, to be sure, of B-Shape Daily. Holy crap, what just happened? Welcome into the show, everybody. As you might expect, we are going to be talking about the brawl, the rumble, baby, between the Cardinals and the Mets on Wednesday afternoon at Bush Stadium. What a day at the ballpark it was. We knew there was this chance, right? We even talked about it last night on B-Shape Daily. I mentioned the possibility that there would be some fireworks this afternoon in the series finale between the Cardinals and the Mets. And sure enough, we got them. On Tuesday, we saw two Cardinals get hit by pitches, some other close calls, and we saw three Mets get hit by pitches, notably among them Pete Alonzo, who will be heavily featured in today's episode. Alonzo got hit in the head yesterday. That was Tuesday. And that was the one where the Mets dugout kind of, you saw several people come out of the dugout, up the steps. They didn't start a brawl or anything, but they stepped out a good five or six feet onto the playing surface, kind of waiting to see what was going to happen, seeing that Alonzo was okay, because maybe they didn't know at first. It was a changeup, though, that he got hit with, as we'll get into in today's episode. But that all happened yesterday, which prompted me during last night's Tuesday night's B-Shape Daily to say this. This time of year, you have a little trouble feeling the ball. We've we've talked about the seams on the baseball, making it harder to grip for some pitchers. Heard some complaints about that. So maybe that's part of it as well. I don't think there was a lot of intent there, but there might be tomorrow if if they made the Mets mad enough to where they would want to retaliate. Retaliate? Wait a minute, if the New York Mets retaliate, no, they would never do anything like that, right? Right? Well, okay, maybe they would. Maybe they would. Well, yes, Pete Alonso, he might tell you differently. He might tell you that they wouldn't, but those in the Cardinals dugout, Nolan Arenado, they might have something to say about that because Wednesday night, that is when, or I should say Wednesday afternoon, it's Wednesday night now, April 27th, But this afternoon at Bush Stadium, here's how it all went down. And I promise, too, we're going to get into the Dylan Carlson throw. Maybe even have a little bit of audio on that from the Cardinals clubhouse after the game. Tommy Edmond, in particular, had a good line talking about his vantage point on the throw that nabbed Luis Guillorme trying to stretch a double into a triple after he hit a ball over Dylan Carlson's head and then Carlson made one of the best throws you're ever going to see from center field. It was very Ankeel-esque for the Cardinals on Wednesday afternoon. But that no longer was the story of the day once the eighth inning began to unfold. Sorry, Dylan, you kind of got bumped from the top billing for today's game. And for an understandable reason on that one, as, boy, were there some explosives going on in the eighth. So let's take you back to the top of the eighth because – That was another example of a player getting hit by a pitch and the Mets being upset about it. 
And listen, when you're hit by pitches as often as the Mets have been so far this season, I believe J.D. Davis, when he was hit by Genesis Cabrera on the foot in the top of the eighth inning on Wednesday, I believe that was the 19th of the season. That's what they said on the Mets broadcast, the TV broadcast. And at that point, according to their research, I didn't bother to look this up, but they said no other team has been hit more than 11 times. The Mets had been plunked there uh, for the 19th time this season. And so they're fed up with it. They're tired of it. Understandably so. Got him in the foot. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, very pleasant. Sure it hurt. It was a 3-2 pitch. The Mets broadcast also went a little bit John Heyman where they said, uh, you remember John Heyman had said that, you know, tweeted Hennessy Cabrera is not a competent big leaguer or whatever, said they should send him to AAA after Hennessy's hit somebody. Uh, I guess it was Bryce Harper. Was that the Harper deal a year or two ago? Whatever the case was. You know, Hennessy's is an electric pitcher, but sometimes you, you don't have a grip on the ball and, and you can spray it a little bit and start to hit guys. This was a 3-2 pitch that he just kind of snuck a slider and, and spiked it into the batter's foot, J.D. Davis. And so he took his base. Probably would have been less painful if it would have just been a nice, easy ball four, but that wasn't the case. And so, okay, the Mets are reminded that this has been going on. We just keep getting hit by pitches. It's not our fault. There's nothing we could do about it. But sometimes if you're the pitcher on the other side, maybe there's something you could do about it. And that's the way the Mets, I would argue, approached things in the bottom of the eighth inning when Nolan Arenado stood to the plate. And here's the deal. It's a perfect storm for this to have taken place. Nolan said after the game he expected it. It didn't surprise him that that he was thrown at because the game situation pretty much dictated that it was, was going to happen. It's a perfect storm. The series finale, so you don't have to see these guys for a while, although they do play next month in New York for a four-game series. That should be interesting now. May 16th through 19th, I believe, are the dates on that one at City Field. And so, but still, you you have a few weeks before that happens, and it's a getaway day for New York, and they're hopping mad. And so, in a 10-5 to game, that's the other element of this. The Cardinals had stormed back after trailing. Steven Matz didn't have his best start, but was able to grit through the, the third and fourth inning, to my surprise. I was surprised to see him. Ali uh, Marmol even came out for a mound visit there in the third with, with some serious uh, damage on the bases potentially ready to take place. Left him in the game, diving play by Tyler O'Neill in left field, and then another uh, liner to O'Neill ended the threat in the third, and then Matz was able to get through four. But the Cardinals were down, I think it was like four to one, and then they, they started climbing back into it, took the lead, and next thing you know, 10 to five, it's a blowout. Hey, perfect opportunity to get a little bit of revenge, right? Because the Mets feel they have been aggrieved. Cardinals have done them dirty. Uh, they've been hit quite a few times in this series, quite a few times so far this season. And, hey, their best player standing here. They threw it the head of our best guy yesterday. That's the way the Mets are viewing it, of course. Um, forget the fact that it's a 83-mile-per-hour changeup compared to uh, a fastball whizzing by Nolan Arenado's ears. But, hey, that's the way they viewed it. And you can understand this. I mean, it, before I, I get too deep into making fun of the Mets, which I will do today, to some extent, try to step back for a moment and think, all right, if the roles were reversed and the Cardinals just couldn't stop getting hit by pitches and one of those pitches happened to be at Arenado's head, hit him in the helmet, granted it was a changeup. Nobody's throwing an 83-mile-per-hour changeup at somebody's head. Like, what does that do? What's the point? I, I, 
But even if that's true, and even if the Mets acknowledge that that's true, and Pete Alonso talked some about this today, and I'm going to play some of his audio, but I don't know that I'm going to play all of it, so I'll describe it for you here, where you know he basically said intent doesn't matter. It's He compared it to, and I thought this was interesting, because uh, he compared it to if somebody T-bones your, your vehicle while driving, they could say, oh, it was an accident, I didn't mean to, but the damage has still been done. You know, the... It doesn't take away the fact that you, your car's totaled. You might have some physical injuries from that. It's just a reality. And the reason I thought it was kind of interesting is because that actually happened to Pete Alonso this spring. Like, there's that story where he got in a, a kind of a brutal car accident, car wreck, I should say, car crash. And um, that was during spring training and, and ended up being okay from that. But I believe he got T-boned, like, going through an intersection. And so the fact that he brought this up, I thought was a little bit interesting. And by interesting, I just mean, oh, I, I kind of forgot that happened. And I'm, I'm not implying anything about that, uh, him bringing that up. I will imply some things about Pete Alonso in a moment. In his response to just the, the general melee, he had some interesting words to say that they just get funnier every time I listen to him. So I'm going to play some of them for you. I might play the whole like 45 second clip uh, because it was just really, I just couldn't stop laughing. Just the way he comes off is hilarious. But before we get into that, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap up this thought of, and that can be very hard for me to do, wrap up a thought. I just talk and talk and talk and talk, and next thing you know, I forgot what I was talking about. But in this case, I remember. If the roles were reversed, it was Arenado catching an 83-mile-per-hour change up to the head. I think Cardinals fans, if they were honest with themselves, would be like, yep, we don't like that. We know it was a changeup, but that's our guy, and... That's not going to fly. And so the roles get reversed and maybe the Cardinals throw at a Met and you're okay with that. I think that's fine. And I think Nolan Arenado recognized that that's kind of where it was. Sometimes if you're that guy, you kind of you kind of know that there's a certain weight that you carry, a responsibility that you bear sometimes, that if your pitcher might happen to hit one of their really good star players, if the next time you come up to bat, it's a good opportunity for them to return the favor, I know people can say whatever they want about the unwritten rules. I'm just telling you how it is. The reality of it, Nolan Arenado knows this game. He knows that there's a chance he's going to get hit. But what he would ask is that you would not throw at his head. It's a reasonable request, right? Again, the Alonzo thing happened. You can't take it away. The reality is the damage was done. It's not fun to get hit in the head. But I don't think you could possibly argue intent on that by Cody Whitley. And I don't think that the Mets necessarily were. That was Alonzo's point, basically saying the intent, uh, it's nice to talk about, but it doesn't functionally matter. Like, we're going to get upset. We're going to defend our guys. That's just the nature of the game and the nature of uh, the team camaraderie here. And so I totally get all that. But you, you try to get your retribution, you can't throw at the guy's head. It's not because that's an intentional act with a 94-mile-per-hour fastball. It's just vastly different. I, I, I don't even know that I need to delve into the explanation of why it's different. I, I'll give you the, the miles per hour on each pitch and the game situation, and it becomes abundantly clear to me. I don't know what more needs to be said. And so while I can understand the Mets being upset, and I feel like Cardinals fans would have been as well if their guys just couldn't stop getting hit, you, you can't throw at a guy's head. And the Mets would say they didn't. Alonzo said, well, you know, this was, a, I know it was a 10-5 to 5 game, but, uh, you know, we're trying to come back here. So 
we wouldn't have done that. Okay, sure. I don't know that I buy it. Actually, I know that I don't buy it. But that's what he said. To his credit, like, those are the words that came out of his mouth. So fine. But come on. It's just a per- it's too perfect of a storm to acknowledge that getaway day, blowout game, star player, nothing matters anymore. We're gonna you know we're gonna throw in on him, and if you hit him in the butt, if you hit him in the 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 leg, you hit him in the back even. That doesn't feel good, but I think Nolan Arenado. Well, maybe not. Like again, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be fair to the Mets here, and I've seen videos of Nolan Arenado charge a mound. That guy's always wanting to charge a mound. And I, I'm I'm talking in jest right here. I think what Arenado did and the way he responded to it was totally apt. It was it was uh, completely justified. But if he's hitting the back, would he maybe still have something to say? Yeah, maybe. And then it might depend on what the pitcher's reaction is, whether or not it escalates from there. But I, I tell you, first off, what you can guarantee is going to start something is the way it happened. Throwing up near a guy's head or neck area, that's not going to fly. Not with a fastball, not ever. And so whether it was intentional or not, that's fine. We can use Pete Alonso's words against him at this point and say, hey, man, if it was not intentional, doesn't matter. That's up near the head. It just can't happen, right? Because that was the response that he had, which is understandable when it happened to him. But when the roles were reversed, well, okay, so the, the pitch didn't actually hit Nolan Arenado. That's what Pete Alonso would submit to you. And I decided, in the sake of fairness, I am going to play maybe more of the Alonzo audio than I thought. So here's a clip that I've already started to describe for you, but I want to hear, I want to give you the opportunity to hear it in his own words. So here's Pete Alonzo. First clip we'll play from Alonzo after the game talking about uh, the events that unfolded on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I mean, getting domed up isn't isn't fun. It's obviously not safe. It's It's dangerous, and there's consequences, whether it's on purpose or not. And we're going to stand up for ourselves. And I'm totally for standing up. Uh, I'm not just for standing up for myself. I'm, I'm totally for standing up for teammates. But kind of what happened today, it just didn't make sense. The ball wasn't even close. Um, and, I mean, that's – and then it, it's – something got started for, for no reason. It wasn't even close. I know it's a five-run ball game, but, like, we're, we're trying to come back. It, to me, this – the whole thing didn't even make sense. All right, and so that's basically Pete Alonso saying nothing should have happened today. This all should not have unfolded the way it did because Arenado wasn't being thrown at and the pitch didn't come close to hitting him. Okay, this is a audio podcast. It's not a video podcast, so you got to make that judgment for yourself. Go find the video. It, it, to me, I don't know how he's in a position to make that judgment at this point, and especially... This is especially true considering something Alonzo had said maybe not just two minutes prior talking about how difficult it is to understand what it's like to be in that situation in the batter's box until you've actually gone through it with a pitch coming at you in an uncomfortable way. And so I'm going to play that for you. Now, keep in mind what Alonzo had just said here in the clip we, we played. I don't know whether the one I'm about to play for you happened before or after, but it was in the same interview session. And so I want to play this for you as well. Right after uh, Alonzo basically talks about that pitch wasn't close to Arenado. It wasn't dangerous. It was a five-run game, but we were still trying to win, all that good stuff. But then here's what he said uh, maybe two minutes prior to that in the same interview. I mean, it's balls, balls are coming in 97, 98, 100 miles an hour. And I, I wish that 
anyone else that on the outside that doesn't understand, I wish you could understand what it's like between the lines when you see that ball coming in at you that fast. You just don't understand until you stand in the box. Okay, and here we go. I can totally get on board with everything that Pete Alonso said there because I don't. I truly have no idea how scary that is. It sounds freaking frightening, to be quite honest with you. I I would pee my pants, I'm sure, and probably not be too keen on stepping back into the batter's box uh, for the next pitch, right? Like, let's say I didn't get hit by it, but I'm still batting. I'd be like, ah, I'm okay. I'm going to find a different prof- profession maybe at this point, right? So that's a guy, and we want to be empathetic as humans like we should. We should try to be more empathetic, especially as fans who we always think we know exactly what's going on, but we don't. We're outsiders to this game. We don't. We haven't played it at this level. And so I can step back for a moment and be like, you're right, Pete Alonso. I really don't know what that's like, and I should reevaluate my thought a little bit. But here's the thing. He, he just kind of put down the notion that Arenado could have thought a dangerous situation was unfolding on a brushback pitch at 94 miles per hour up near his head. You know, he just kind of minimized that in the other clip. And he's talking about 97, 98 miles per hour. And yes, a lot of guys do throw that. That's not an example of what happened to him yesterday. He got hit by an 83 mile per hour changeup. Arenado got brushed back by 94 fastball in what was a clear retaliatory play from what had happened yesterday and from what happened to J.D. Davis in the eighth inning. Apparently, Davis, negative x-rays on his toe or foot or whatever got x-rayed. So that's good that he's going to be okay. But, I mean, come on. If you don't understand how the situations are, are, are different in the ways that they're different and then similar in the ways that they're similar, you got to pick one side. And I feel like Pete Alonso is maybe trying to play both sides a little bit here. And so, I, obviously, I don't agree with with kind of his takeaway that, a, that the Mets weren't throwing at Arenado. I do think it had intent behind it. Uh, with regard to the ejections, Arenado was ejected. Stubby Clapp was ejected for uh, tackling uh, Pete Alonso, which we're going to talk about because that's the that's the Alonso clip that I'm most excited to play. It's kind of turning into the Pete Alonso show here today. But I'm, I'm excited to play that clip because it was uh, objectively hilarious, his reaction to the, the Stubby Clapp tackle and the, the whole thing that went down during the melee involving Alonzo, who ended up on the ground. So I'm going to play that in a minute. But I wanted to get into a little bit the reason that Ali Marmol, one of the reasons that Ali Marmol was so upset. We'll play some audio from him, too, before we get out of here. He was so upset because how is it that two of their guys get ejected and none of the Mets get ejected? And the Cardinals feel in this situation, their guy was the one being thrown at. And then Arenado basically... Steps out of the batter's box, collects himself, and you can see him yelling at Yoan Lopez, the, the pitcher for the Mets, and he says, do it again. Kind of challenges him, do it again, starts gesturing. Nothing crazy, but, I mean, he's just, he's heated, man. He just took 94 to the chin and to back away from it. So he's his emotions are running high. That's not a surprise in that situation. And Lopez, uh, honestly, for me, it's kind of hard to splice the videos together and figure it out. But I think Lopez kind of started, honestly, I was trying to remember the way it looked like real real time, but it was such a blur, man. It happened so quick. I think Lopez kind of started walking toward home plate a little bit. By that point, you had the umpire and Tomas Nito, the catcher, already in front of Arenado trying to stave him off from, from meeting him halfway. 
But Lopez, there's nobody to hold him back, so he's walking toward the plate. And at that point, once Arenado gets the get-go and he sees, oh, it's on because this guy's coming to me now, he's like, you're not holding me back anymore. He basically flicks Tomas Nito to the side with a little, just like a one-arm kind of shove, tosses him away, which is probably the reason he got ejected, right? It's not nice physical contact to make. He gets around the umpire, uh, but by the time he gets to the pitcher, plenty of Mets are there. Goldsmith, I think, was one that got in between Arenado and the pitcher. Arenado honestly ended up on the outside of the scrum. He wasn't ever really in the middle of it, at least at the beginning, which which is you, you maybe not would not have thought that was the case because he was the guy that was involved in it. But they they did a good job of getting him to the outside, and there was a little bit of collateral damage there with Alonzo and Sebi Clat. And Genesis Cabrera was involved as well. Alonzo called him Genesis. Probably didn't know. Probably hasn't spent a lot of time with the guy. So, but that was one of the reasons that Ali Marmal was so upset. And he basically said, was asked, do you have an explanation for it? And he said, no, I I really don't. I'd like to have one, though, because the one they gave me out on the field was not sufficient. I don't don't buy that. So he, he declined to say what explanation he was given. But the one that the pool reporter, Jeff Jones, received from the crew chief, Mark Wegner, was we didn't believe that there was intent behind the pitch by Lopez. We did not believe that was intentional. For me, okay, fine. Like, I'm not saying it's automatically that an umpire, like a court of law, should rule that that was intentional. But if you were a lawyer and you were building a case, I I think you could better call Saul this thing and be able to come up with some pretty damning evidence that, yeah, if anybody were ever going to do it, this would be the situation you would do it. Uh, it just needs to be not 94 at the head. It needs to be 94 in the ass. That doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good at all. I'm sorry about that. It needs to be 94 on the bum. It needs to be 94 to the back, to the hip, to the thigh. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know why I said that. I'm keeping it in, though. But you know what I'm saying. It needs to be done in a certain way, and that's the way the Cardinals really felt about it. The way that it did take place, though, Ali Marmol took exception. Here's what he had to say. I didn't love it at all. I do entirely. Um, when you when you come up top like that and, and jeopardize someone's career in life, yeah, I take exception to that. And uh, I don't think anyone in the big leagues appreciates getting thrown up top. Nolan has every right to uh, react the way he did and go after him, and we'll protect that. And so that was Cardinals manager Ali Marmol reacting, asked, being asked whether he took exception to the way that it was done. I think that's what you got to focus on here. I don't think the Cardinals were mad that Arenado got thrown at in general. Like, yeah, they're going to be mad, but if it hits him on the thigh or on the backside, I don't know that anything happens other than a little bit of grumbling and Arenado taking his base. I really don't. But when you when you involve the livelihood aspect of this, Ali Ramal said you're threatening a guy's career in life. And that's true. I mean, 94 to the head could go a lot of ways that aren't pleasant, right? And so that's what this is about at its core. And I, I guess we got to be fair, too, to recognize that, okay, 83 at the head, probably wouldn't feel that good either if you got it in the wrong way. So I'm not trying to suggest, and it probably sounds like that at times, that, well, 94 could kill a man and 83 won't cause any damage. 
I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that uh, you you got to recognize where the intent would be on a pitch 83 at the head. Like you're just. I'm not saying you're gonna throw a hard one at the guy's head on purpose, but if you're gonna try to do a little bit of damage, you're gonna throw a hard pitch at the the belt or below, right, or on the back, the low back. You're not gonna throw it at their head, and you're not gonna throw it 83. Like you're gonna throw it 94. The miles per hour, the the shoe fits on that one for 94 miles per hour. It just was in the wrong spot, and that's what Ali Ramal was getting at. That's what the Cardinals took exception to. Although you can make an argument that they took exception in general to being thrown at. It's like it's easy to form this narrative and say all they cared about was the location. Maybe that's not all they cared about. It's the thing they cared about the most, rightfully so. But, and this was a really good comment by Ollie. It's basically the one that kind of ended the presser where. They were asked, Dad, did you did you guys, I think Katie Wu asked this question, did, did you guys think that it was possible? Did you have an inkling that this could be could be coming? And Ali Marmal replied, I think my four-year-old had an inkling it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty good. Uh, obviously, he is upset in the situation because of the way it unfolded. And so maybe that's coloring a little bit more of, uh, the the tone in his voice and the the comment there of oh my four year old saw this coming like who didn't see this coming true that kind of implies that they would have been mad either way though right but no I think it it does boil down to in the moment everybody was upset about the way that went down the emotions were still riding high at that point and and he made a a, a good quip about it whereas uh, you know I I don't know if it would have been quite the same sort of reaction if it just would have been done uh, in, in a more appropriate fashion and that's the way Arenado felt as well I'll play a little clip from Arenado he didn't speak too terribly long on it but it's good for you to be able to hear from the man himself as well and then we'll we'll try to wrap up the talk about this although I I still do have to play that Pete Alonso clip that reminds myself so uh, we'll we'll get to that and then we are going to talk a little bit of Dylan Carlson before we get out of here so here's Nolan from uh, what he thought about the throwing up and in of a fastball right near his head. Um, I thought so, yeah. I thought it was coming. I mean, I feel it was coming. What's in that area? Is that what you think? I think that's more the problem. That's the problem. Like, I get it. I get what's going on in this series, and it's part of the game, but a little high. I mean, that's how close it was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how close it was. It just it felt high. It just felt close. It was just high. Felt a little high. It felt close. Felt close to him. P. Alonso didn't think it was close. Arenado did, and he reacted accordingly. Like you heard from him, he expected that it was going to happen, just didn't want to happen in that way. Said later on in his his post game uh, presser or or conversation at his at his locker with with reporters, he said lower. That's what he was trying to indicate to Lopez. You got to throw it lower, and he didn't. And so that's why uh, that's why things kind of unfolded the way they did. It escalated. Arenado got ejected, and that was pretty much that. Okay, before we get into Dylan Carlson's throw, which was fantastic, by the way, I got to play this Alonzo clip. It's one more, one you haven't heard yet. And it's him reacting to the scrap, I guess you could say, he had with Stubby Clap. And I'm going to play, I might just play the whole darn thing because it was so funny. But uh, here it is. It's Pete Alonzo and... uh, 
I just can't shake this one particular feeling when I listen to this audio. So you listen to it, and then I'll tell you exactly what's going through my mind every time I hear this. What was going through your mind in that moment? Well, I mean, again, I got pulled from behind. Actually, Genesis Cabrera grabbed me by the back of the collar, and then, then he just uh, ripped down, and then the coach just kind of jumped on me, and I thought that was kind of kind of cheap going, going going from behind. I mean, I mean, that's if you want to if you want to hold me back, if you want to restrain me, go at me like a man. The Cardinals manager just said that he actually had no issue with the way the coach tapped you to the ground. Just what's your well, I mean, I totally understand because I'm a big guy. I'm a big, strong guy, and he, his, obviously, the manager wants to uh, have protection for for his team and, and his staff, and I totally get it. And for me, like, I'm a big, strong guy. They don't, they don't know like my temper. They don't know what I could do. I mean, if I wanted to put someone in the hospital, I easily could. But I was just out there trying to protect my guys. I'm sorry, but this is like the funniest thing I've ever heard. I don't know why it's so hilarious to me. Every time I listen to the clip, it's about 45 seconds long. I hear something that I didn't hear the last time. Something new jumps out at me every time. This time it was, okay, the Cardinals manager actually said uh, he, he, he did a form tackle. You know, when he, it was the reporter asking the question that made me laugh because Ali Marmal basically had said, I had no problem with it. He was just trying to keep their guy off of one of our guys. That's all Stubby was trying to do. I, I, he, all he said, I watched the video multiple times before I came in here to do this presser, and I'm totally on board with what Stubby Clapp did. Now, MLB may not see it this way. I think if anybody has a chance of maybe getting a little bit of a suspension, it could be Stubby. Uh, but as you heard uh, from Alonzo there, Genesis Cabrera, Genesis Cabrera, obviously, kind of pulled him from behind, which did contribute to Stubby uh, kind of having the takedown there, at least in the way that it unfolded. Although, if you there's there are photos that I've that I've seen of the incident. There was no coming at him from behind. He talks about come at me like a man and all this stuff. Stubby came at him uh, pretty much form tackle. I mean, it was I don't know what he's talking about coming at me from behind. That that really wasn't the case. But that was was funny, but you just listen to like the tone of Alonzo's voice. It's just, it seems like he's in the principal's office. This is the way it sounds to me. He's in the principal's office and he's trying to convince anyone that will listen uh, that, that no, this didn't go down the way, the way you thought. And it's just like the big, strong guy stuff is just, it almost feels like parody. And I, I, I'm sorry for beating the guy down too much, but it just came off as just really a genuinely funny way to to phrase what went on I just don't know any other way to say it it was funny it was very comedic well I mean again I got pulled from behind actually Genesis Cabrera grabbed me by the back of the collar like it's the principal saying okay now Pete tell me what happened here well Genesis Cabrera pulled me by the collar I I can't help but think that that's exactly what this sounds like to me I'm sorry I don't know what it is I'm a big strong guy (laughs) I, I can't. I'm sorry. Okay, that was that was that was too far. I'm sorry. That is probably going to end up being a a drop on a radio station though at some point. I'm a big strong guy. That's I he just kept saying it. I don't know. Talked about putting people in the hospital. I think it's just you get into these and, and I like Pete Alonso by the way. I think I've always been a fan of his and this the interview is kind of weird, but it made for some good comedic moments and and we'll use it and move on, but Clearly, he wasn't happy with the way the day and the series unfolded. 
The Cardinals obviously were not happy with the way Arenado was thrown at, which was their perception of the event, and and I think a a pretty accurate one at the end of the day. And so now these teams are going to go their separate ways for the next few weeks, and then mid-May they're going to meet back in New York, and that is going to be a fun four-game series to see if there's any carryover from this, from the wild events that took place on Wednesday at Bush Stadium. But before we get out of here for the podcast, let's go ahead and dive in on Dylan Carlson and the fantastic throw that he made to nab Luis Guillerme at third base. Just an incredible play. Truly a Ricky and Keel-esque type throw. You remember the two throws that he made in the same game in Colorado. I believe that was 2008, but time kind of escapes me and I'm not going to look it up. But Carlson... 97.2 miles per hour was the velocity on this throw, which in the StatCast era since 2015. And it was such a crazy play because, you know, Dylan is a pretty humble guy. He talked at first about how, well, what I should have done was caught the baseball. But, the you know, the ball was tagged pretty deep. He was playing maybe a little shallow, not as much experience in center field. He was in there for Bader today. Uh, For the majority of the game, Bader did come in, and they switched uh, Dylan over to right field at the end of the game. But, I mean, that's just one of those plays that you're going back on it, and he he couldn't do a Willie Mays or a Jim Edmonds. I believe Rick Hummel made the comments to Dylan that was like, you know, that's a tough play to make or whatever. He's like, yeah, well, Jim Edmonds did it. Yeah, but maybe Jim Edmonds and, like, one other guy. So kind of going back on the ball, you're back toward the infield. Got turned around a little bit. Ball bounced off the warning track, then off the wall, and then back toward the field into the grass just ahead of the track. And Dylan turned himself around, got his momentum going, picked up the ball, and his his back foot was about six inches from the dirt on the warning track. He wasn't quite dead center, a little bit toward left field, but pretty, pretty straight away. And he was right on the warning track, took a crow hop to advance, obviously, a few feet, and let that baby fly, and he got it on the fly to Edmundo Sosa, who made the tag in time to secure and cement uh, one of the best throws of the year that I think you're going to see in baseball. Kind of had a little bit of fun with it and said, yeah, it's only April, but I think the throw of the year balloting is already uh, completed. Might be Dylan Carlson that takes that home. Jason Hayward, the only Cardinal in the StatCast era since 2015 to throw uh, an outfield assist at a higher velocity than Carlson's today 97.2 mile per hour I believe Hayward was like 98.5 or something like that when Dylan was told that Hayward beat him he was like ah man I guess that's something else to strive for next time he's really going to be pumping it because he knows now the stat cast is on it Dylan kind of said yeah it's I've had throws maybe like that before but never uh, once at this level and so it's nice to have the the metrics and the data to back it up and everybody all the eyeballs on it to show that I I really did that so it was cool by Carlson, but my favorite comment of the day was from Tommy Edmond, who had the best vantage point of all. He was the useless cutoff man that was not going to be used on this play at all. And so he was kind of asked about that. Here's what he had to say. Good little exchange here. I'm a big, strong guy. No, that's not what he said. I, I got to fire my producer. Here's what Tommy Edmond actually had to say. Yeah, I mean we're we're kind of just there just for uh, just for show. We know he's, we know we're not going to throw him out from a relay anyway. So just to, that was kind of expected as he'd sail over. But I mean, such a great throw though. I mean, you were ready to make a throw, but you wouldn't have got him if it'd come to you or, or, or yeah, yeah. Young either one. Now we're just lining up because that's where we're supposed to be. And we might as well just got back to the dugout. So there's some fun stuff from Tommy Edmund to wrap up the show today. 
For real, though, that was a, an incredible throw by Carlson. He's got a, a, a cannon for an arm. And to make that kind of recovery that he did from what was a little bit of a broken play, not saying that it was a play he should have made. I think it was a very difficult play. But he definitely got more turned around than you'd like to see. A little bit of a, a reckless uh, attempt at that. But when you're trying to go back on a ball like that, that it sometimes is going to look that way. But the fact that he was able to recover and just throw an absolute strike to Sosa at third base was really something else. So that was cool to see. Didn't end up being the biggest highlight of the day, obviously, uh, because of the brawl and stubby clap tackling the, the first baseman for the New York Mets. But other than that, uh, it was a pretty good play for the game. And uh, Cardinals won the game, by the way, 10-5. I think I said that earlier. I think I did, but honestly, I don't know. It's probably bad podcasting, but it's pretty late at night now, so I'm not going back to check. But I would have talked more about the actual game. It just wasn't as interesting as uh, as as a little bit of the extracurriculars that, that really dominated the postgame conversation. Was good to see, though, the Cardinals be able to string together some hits. Talked a little bit about Steven Matz not having his best start. Uh, Jake Woodford got into the game and, and threw a couple good innings there in the middle. The The offense was able to get going. Tommy Edmond had a really good game offensively. There was one play in particular where he had a hit that bounced off Edmundo Sosa, so he was ruled out going from first to second. Uh, I believe he was trying to steal the base. It was a hit-and-run situation. Just Cardinals kind of got hosed there. Tommy said, no big deal. I'm going to steal second base. And then Goldschmidt, I think it was like the next, next pitch or two, Drove him in with a single from second. So the Cardinals were moving the line, getting things done in that way uh, to be able to score a lot of runs, didn't have to rely on the home run. And and that's maybe a sign that the offense could come back to life a little bit after what's been a really difficult stretch. It was mentioned again today, just the notion that, yeah, we faced a lot of really tough pitchers. Tommy said that uh, when he was asked just about kind of the revival today and, and comparing that to the, the offense that they'd shown over the last week or so. He said, yeah, we did go through a, a stretch of tough pitching. And, and I think a, a good question to, for Edmund next time that I that I think about it would just be kind of, how do you balance that? How do you balance the notion of, we know that the guys on our schedule are tough and we're, we're facing a lot of good pitchers and that's going to happen. How do you balance that with the notion of, we want to still be a team that can thrive against good pitching and, and not have to use that as a, uh, not an excuse, but an explanation. Even if it's not an excuse, you're still explaining like, well, here's part of it. And when you're scoring runs, you don't have to give explanations, right? And so Cardinals were able to do that to, to great effect on Wednesday, and, and they'll look to be able to kind of build on the momentum that they were able to have in that game, 10-5 to 5 win over the Mets. They'll get the Diamondbacks, the D-backs, coming into town for a four-game series at Bush before heading back out on the road. So we will make sure to come at you with another B-Shape Daily here soon. It may not be Thursday. We've been doing good this week of – going every day, but Thursday is my bowling league night, the last bowling week of the year, and so I will not be at Bush Stadium. First game I'll miss all year. Uh, luckily enough, the two rainouts that happened so far, I didn't go. I had other things that I that I had to do, radio show and different things, and so didn't go to either of those games. It turns out they were both rainouts, so I kind of nailed that, um, but that doesn't mean it's going to rain out tomorrow. Uh, Thursday, hopefully, they, they do get the game in. Cardinals, D-backs, but we will recap at least once or twice throughout the series as we get into the weekend. As the Cardinals look to try to take a series after dropping this one to the Mets, they do lose the series two out of three, uh, but certainly came uh, came through in the finale after not being able to put up very many runs over the first couple of games. So that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys tremendously for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. 
You can find B-Shape Daily on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thank you guys so much for being with me. I'll talk to you again soon. This has been B-Shape Daily. Peace out.